I call from the hotel in the Chili's. Camille Foster, who you, you're, you're used to the dulcet tones of uh, delightful Camille Foster, but he is, because he's rich and yeah. richer than us, much, uh, much Matt than us. Welch from Reason uh, Magazine, Michael Moynihan from uh, Vice News, and Camille Foster uh, on the line from Santiago, I assume. I don't know, maybe something else. Are you in Easter? No. Are you no, in no. Easter Island I'm, or I'm what? In, I'm on Easter Island. You're on Easter Island. I'm on, you are fucking I'm on Easter Island. Wow. And, uh, you know, the, there's all sorts of weird phone stuff going on. I'm on my cellular phone, so this better be good. Oh, it's going to cost me a lot. I want, I want to just point out to our listeners who we love. Uh, I want to point out how much we love them. Because, first of all, uh, Michael Moynihan's here. Hollywood uh, Mike Moynihan yep. uh, is here for the first <laughs> time in three or four months. Uh, and oh uh, it's very difficult for yes. him to get off of uh, his mandatory cocaine and hookers for Vice uh, News. That, that happens every day at 8 o'clock um, as part of the, the contract stipulation. So he got out of that special for this. Camille is literally talking on a cell phone at great expense from Easter Island. And I have peeled my yeah. way uh, uh, off of uh, covering whatever uh, latest uh, uh, brain fart Bill Weld has said, uh, maybe about how he wants to make sweet love to Hillary Clinton Yes, uh, 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 in the moonlights with a pina colada. Uh, and needless to say, in about 5 to 15 minutes, uh, Joe Buck is going to Joe Buck. Yeah. <laughs> start yeah. making really terrible uh, uh, home run calls uh, in the world, in Game 7 of the World Series. So this is how much we love you. Game 7. The Cubbies. Game seven. Wow. Easter Island. Wow. We're doing here. Camille, we wow. probably shouldn't have you for the entire length of the program uh, here. So, yeah, that's, but I, that's generous. That's generous of you. But I want uh, you to tell us, uh, as long as we still have a connectivity. First of all, I didn't realize that Easter Island had like uh, toilets and telephones. Yeah. Yeah. It's surprising. Uh, they, they do. They do have that. Um, there is also internet, although it's not not particularly fast. Cell phone service. I did discover this morning, though, it doesn't appear to be. Uh, if there is Uber, there is not a great deal of inventory. So I mean, do people live on Easter no, Island? I really thought. Those, I really thought that it was just yeah, a yeah, bunch of like there, stone there statues thousands. that look like me. Yeah. No, thousands of people live on on Easter Island. It's, I think it's less than ten thousand. Um, God, what a bunch of losers! Three thousand horses, as I understand. 3,000 horses? Have you been riding any of these horses, Camille? Yeah. Oh, my God. No, no, I haven't been riding horses. I'm, I'm looking at statues. Uh, I'm trying not to be, like, that Taurus. Uh, it is very magical. I took a 12-kilometer a, a hike today, uh, and then it started to pour. It's 12 kilometers? Um, Where are you from? How long have you been Wonderful. outside of the country, you You're all fucking metric? communist? God. <laughs> you know, I hope that uh, all the <laughs> flights gonna, stop out of Easter Island. I hope it's taken over, like, the Falklands <laughs> with you on it. We're done with you, fucking metric. Bunch of nonsense. God, you're, yeah, you're, gonna, you're like my Bill Weld. <laughs> you're Bill Weld to me. Hey, Camille, have you seen from your um, uh, isolation in Easter Island the, uh, the latest uh, from uh, former Governor Bill Weld and uh, future Vice President, uh, what, he, uh, what he was going on about at an MSNBC? Uh, I did see this. Um, I, I suspect you guys can still hear me. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah Matt, Matt, Matt wrote a blog post about this today okay. over on Hit and Run. So, Matt, give us the uh, give us the uh, scoop. Right. So, I mean, we're recording this on uh, what? It's Wednesday, so it's six days before the election. Uh, yesterday, uh, a week before the election, Bill Weld, who is, let's be uh, clear here, he's running uh, for vice president. Yeah. Uh, in the United States, and so as, as a third party, as a libertarian candidate, and part of what you do when you're running for president, is that you're competing against uh, the other people mm -hmm. who are running for president. So the other guy is like your enemy, is what you're saying? Uh, yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, you're, you're yeah, a sure. competitor. And he <laughs> went, a little partisan for me. but uh, And he went on uh, MSNBC. Uh, Rachel Maddow. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, very well-known, uh, you know, kind of libertarian-friendly uh, show, uh, Rachel Maddow. And he said, and this is a quote, I'm here vouching for Mrs. Clinton. 
Yeah, and you know what I have to say, Matt? When I read, when I saw that your uh, piece on it, and there were the two embedded videos. Before I watched them, I said, "Okay, he's backing her up on the Comey business, and I'm going to vouch for her that this is unfair." That's what I thought he was saying, and that would have been fine. I would have, I would have, I would have uh, disagreed with him slightly, but I would have been he, fine. He used to work in the Justice Department. Yeah, he, he has some assistant. idea about yeah. how that stuff works. Yeah, and he made a case that 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 Comey was out of bounds. I don't think it was a very convincing one, but he made a case, and. You know, so I thought that you were doing a little, little old uh, bait and switch on me, but it wasn't. The second clip there towards the end, he's like, you know what? I'm here vouching for her. I know her. She's a good person. She's great. And I'm like, she, she's also your opponent. And then he disavowed a campaign release statement. You know, this is the thing about this campaign. I guess what we all want some refreshing honesty in politics. We like people who are honest. Politicians are all liars and bullshitters, right? So we get Gary Johnson, who uh, you know has his Aleppo moment and goes into the basement of MSNBC and is buttonholed by a journalist, and he says, "Look, I just I don't I'm embarrassed. I'm bad at this. I had a moment. I froze." He was being this honest person, and people are like, "Oh, that's incredible." And then Bill Weld is confronted with a statement by Rachel Maddow saying that you know criticizing Comey right after he said that um, that he was uh, like backing uh, backing uh, Hillary Clinton on this. And he and he said, um, or Chris, Chris Clinton, excuse me. And then he said, like, you know what? Uh, he gives a long silence. Remember, this is like the silence yeah. and a smirk. And then says, well, I disagree with Gary on a lot of things. We talk every day, and then he stops every, other, every other, other day. day yeah. And I disagree with him on a lot of. And it's like this is the honest campaign. I watching this prefer when they lie. <laughs> I like when they're like, you know what? Oh, that's interesting because there is a preposition in there which makes the distinction. And I agree with both the statement and what I just said. That's the skill of a politician being being able to to, to spin you that way. Not happening on the Johnson Weld campaign. Yeah, and the thing is, so. A month ago, more than a month ago, uh, uh, or around there, uh, the Boston Globe wrote a story saying that Bill Weld, uh, and obviously the Boston Weld knows him. He's a, a Boston Brahmin, whatever that means. Uh, and it means a guy like Bill Weld. I think, yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, in there. And um, and it said that he's now just going to be focusing on exclusively, was their uh, uh, terminology, on running against Donald Trump because he finds Donald Trump uniquely awful and that he's only going to be going into red states to make this case and this kind of stuff. So uh, I was writing about it, and I got him on the line, and he was very vociferous to deny this. He said, this is wishful no thinking. Yeah. They are making yeah. it up. Uh, this is making it up out of whole cloth uh, and, and all this kind of stuff. And afterwards, and uh, since this is a podcast, I, could, I can uh, you know yeah. talk about uh, how the sausage gets made here. Um, uh, I was talking to someone on the campaign, and uh, and they're you know like uh, you know thanks for uh, uh, thanks for your for your work on this, and I said, well, he better not be fucking playing me um, here. He better not be bullshitting. Uh, was uh, the exact uh, quote I, I used, and and I've come to the conclusion that in many cases he was bullshitting. When Carl Bernstein first floated the idea, this is right before the first debate, so this about six weeks ago that. Uh, he thought that maybe Bill Weld and Carl Bernstein is a friend uh, in pretty yeah. regular contact uh, with uh, Bill Weld, that he thought Bill Weld was going to drop out, um, which, of course, Bill Weld hasn't done. He's still uh, every day. He's out there. He's in Memphis tonight talking. Um, he'll be in a couple of other locations uh, before the election. But he said that uh, he thought that Bill Weld was going to drop out. Um, that plus the Boston Globe story had a lot of sort of people around Weld say – you know, uh, are embarrassed by how Gary Johnson's not very good. They think that Bill Well would be uh, better on the top of the ticket and say that he's, you know, privately chagrined that they might affect, impact the election in any negative way about Hillary Clinton. So um, this is sort of the, the backdrop. And then one week ago from today, um, Weld takes the, uh, the very uh, startling kind of uh, move to issue a statement um, aimed at Republicans who are not ready to vote for third parties. And it said, you should realize that Donald Trump is a disaster for the country and you really should uh, vote against Hillary Clinton or vote against Donald Trump. Um, it's basically t it's not an endorsement, but it's very close to it. And he had a follow up press conference uh, that was like that, too. To do this on Rachel Maddow's show a week before the election, um, to emphasize uh, that and, and testify that she is an honest and reliable person. Those are his words. I mean, go and look at her uh, uh, depictions of the way that she's treated her emails over the years. It's not honest. Whatever you can say about it. Jacob Solon Reason had a, a wonderful piece today about Hillary Clinton lying about how she lies about the emails. 
like if you're just <laughs> if you're just being a dispassionate observer from a skeptical and or libertarian point of view, there's no way that you get to the uh, conclusion that uh, that she is particularly honest and reliable. And the other thing that's kind of important here, again, is that he's running against her. Yeah. So it's fine if he's been a friend with her for 40 years. And I was uh, forwarded a piece from 20 years ago of him like going out of his way back when he was governor of Massachusetts defending Clinton against Whitewater investigations. Well, okay, that's fine. It's just that you don't then run for president against that person and to and to take time out of your schedule and to emphasize this and to say I'm here vouching for her. This is bullshit and this is something that the planet libertarian both capital L and small L I think is in pretty righteous revulsion revolt against what he's been doing i mean it's it's incredible that so that, i'm i'm not go gonna ahead. make i'm not gonna offer any any defense uh of bill um I, I know gary a little bit i like gary i think gary's an honorable guy i don't know bill um at all i've never met him um and i but i can't be counted among the ranks of those who suspect that he might be doing this uh for some sort of uh ulterior motives i suspect that he's doing what he believes is right and is it strange is it weird um it definitely is but it is a strange and weird year um, and true. for the LP, I'm not certain that this is even the most embarrassing thing uh, for them to have their uh, candidates doing um, uh, sort of in opposition to one another. It's certainly weird to have them disagreeing in public, but we've at least seen this happening this year um, on the Republican ticket as well, uh, which is sort of similarly, similarly strange and weird. So I, I think there's at least there's at least that much um, that we can we can sort of nod towards um, as we're. As we're evaluating all of this and, and sort of calibrating our upset, the, the one thing that I, I do want to say though is, rather than focusing on if it's appropriate for him to to do this, uh, let's let's look at the substance of the claim. Uh, and the claim is a familiar one. It's it's the sort of standard Donald Trump is is so bad uh, that we have to prevent uh, him from winning at all costs. Um, and for those of you that that aren't quite prepared to vote for libertarians, you should probably vote for Hillary Clinton. Um, I'm not certain that is true, as I've said here before, um, but even if it is true, if Donald Trump is so terrible, so despicable, so awful, and, and puts all of our lives at risk, um, the fact that he is inches away from grasping the presidency suggests to me that the problem here isn't Trump, um, it is the status quo. Um, and I think it's important to recognize that Simply looking at the candidates of the status quo and trying to get this person elected um, and presuming that we have then dodged a bullet, uh, I don't know that you've, you've really done a whole bunch uh, at that point. And, and as for his other, his other claims with respect to the emails, which he did, in fact, speak to, he did sort of defend, defend her a bit there, um, saying that Comey, again, uh, was sort of doing, doing a bit too much uh, by, uh, by releasing a, a statement or, or at least releasing something to Congress uh, saying that the investigation had be re been reopened. Um, look, this is all weird. Um, and the weirdness in this sort of upside-down um, election cycle uh, didn't begin with James Comey uh, saying, hey, look, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to reopen this. Uh, it began some time ago with, as Matt pointed out, Hillary Clinton's lying. Uh, and on top of that, strange uh, meetings, conclaves happening with uh, Loretta Lynch and uh, Bill Clinton. I mean, this is all this is all quite strange. So it it seems to me that both we shouldn't. Uh, I am still uh, not on the Trump is uniquely dangerous um, train. I think Bill is probably wrong here, even if he's doing what's right. Um, I think that propping up the status quo is perhaps worse if it comes at the expense of allowing the libertarians to perhaps get somewhere around 5%, uh, maybe being able to grab some of that, that federal funding, that sweet federal funding that they need, uh, and perhaps even creating a situation where there's a bit more pressure to include uh, outside voices um, in, the, uh, in the presidential debate let next go-round. I, I mean, one, one hopes that that happens. I mean, uh, the, the thing about this is, is I'm not too angry at Bill Weld here, and I think that those libertarians that I probably made fun of who were kind of foaming at the mouth in Orlando and trying to block Bill Weld from becoming the, the VP nominee probably had it right in, in the sense that, you know, we wanted somebody on that ticket who could professionalize libertarianism and not have somebody that's going to be up there 
and you know get thrown a question about maybe legalizing pedophilia. Um, and this is actually, I remember this happened actually in a conversation with was it Mary Ruert, one of these yeah, soci- yeah. sociopaths, about you know consent laws and stuff that just makes you look crazy. Okay, let's get a successful sort of moderate Republican governor from Massachusetts. And, you know, the other thing about that, and this is where the kind of rock rib libertarians are actually right, is that he's not going to be reliably libertarian. And if he's questioned by somebody, because Bill Weld's actually a name, Bill Weld's actually a real guy. And, you know, there was a point where, where Gary was up there polling 10, 11, 12 percent. He's going to get on Rachel Maddow's show. Yeah. And Rachel Maddow, who grilled Rand Paul about, you know, the Civil Rights Act, is going to ask him about the same things. And how sort of party line libertarian are you? And he's going to run screaming from that. That's pretty much what you got to expect um, with, with, with a guy like Weld. But, you know, at the same time, it's, you know, we have to assign blame and uh, uh, Gary Johnson uh, blew it, and I'm and I don't think anyone could should say because they sympathize with his overall philosophy that he didn't blow it. I mean, this is uh, look the fluctuations. But, but, but blew what? The, but blew what exactly? Blew, I mean, if, blew, if you're able cha- to if you're able to quadruple the support that you got at a, at a national level in a in a federal election, I mean, I well, I'd did, say, did, did, did like you blow it? Did you election, blow it? I say that that's something. No, no, no. Did you blow it if you? If you sold your stocks and made a million dollars when you could have waited and, and made twenty million dollars, yeah, you blew it. You made some money. That's great. And I'm, I'm glad. I don't. I don't think you. But that's just it. It's not. It's not blowing it. It's a different sort of victory. You're right. You, you're. You're not Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Um, I, th- I just you, think that you get that, to get a. But you get to get a nice, a nice house. And look, I think the, the bottom line here is I think that the the libertarian libertarian party when it nominated this very respectable ticket of yeah. sort of seasoned political operatives was swinging for the fences um, were, the, for sure. there was a thought at some point that they could have a strong showing and potentially win um the, win the election like have an actual competitive election um the truth is this is probably their their best chance of doing it they needed to have some respectable guys come up uh, but we really shouldn't lose sight of the fact that having them perform this well um, so, so far, having them get this sort of attention is a victory. Uh, and, and I do think that this, this is the sort of thing that they can build on in 2020 and even Bill Weld. I mean, the fact of the matter is for all of his shortcomings, for as much as this uh, sort of a crappy, sucky situation, um, I don't know that another candidate would have given them uh, sort of a better go of it. And I'm not certain that either one of the other two um, guys that was really in the running on there would no, have been definitely not. a definitely better not. option. One, one has to hope that they've got a better crop of dudes, um, and and perhaps ladies. But but, but here, uh, I, here, yeah, I mean, here's the thing: is that is that this is the unique election. Everyone says it's an incredible cliche, but it also happens to be true. Is that a unique unique opportunity of people who we have uh, uh, two candidates who have historically atrocious favorability ratings. And so this is a perfect uh, time for a libertarian candidate to walk into it. And you do have a ticket where you have people that were successful uh, governors. These aren't these aren't fringe people who, you know, spent their time drooling yeah. on their keyboards at the Von Mises Institute or some other sort of proto white nationalist <laughs> place. And, you know, so basically, hey, what take it easy. There are oh, good people there, too. Uh, there are good people there. Most of them are complete psychopaths. Uh, but, yeah, they're good people there, too. I, guess. I don't know. I just don't know who they are. Um, but, you know, they're, they're going to find out that, that they're going to get us. They're going to tell us that LBJ killed JFK. Keep keep hammering on that, guys. That's good. I'm so glad you're on that. That's going to that's going to bring the cause forward with all your fucking conspiracy theories. Um, so the, I think the thing is, is that you have a unique situation here where where you have two candidates that are uniquely awful. And so if you have the good candidates next time around and they're two what the American people would consider decent candidates, do, do, does the Libertarian Party go back down to, you know, one percent, half a percent, something like that? The thing is, is in this election, why it's such a, a missed opportunity is to get, you know, get up there in the 10 range, the 11 range, to really fluidly make your case, to not have these, you know, unforced errors all the time, is to, is to be a viable, or, or hopefully, by the way, this is all speculation, is to hopefully be a viable candidate or be a viable party when the two candidates are actually normal people. And that's... that's, that's can, I, can I toss... Yeah, do. Let me toss a question. Let me toss a question at you guys. I mean, look, at the end of the day, would you both say that on net, the, the Weld-Johnson ticket is the most qualified um, or perhaps the, the best 
pairing um, of any of the available options. Uh, would yeah, either yeah, of you feel yeah, comfortable yeah. No, saying I that? I think that's probably right. Yeah, you know, what are the options? Uh, Michael Batten, okay. Eric? Well, well, <laughs> no, I mean, it was Austin Pe- so Peterson if so or if oh, 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 this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> no, 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 I don't mean I don't mean of those guys. I mean, I mean, with respect to the, the two major party candidates. Oh, I mean, dude. Like uh, in Camille, comparison, would you? Camille, you voted. All right, I voted. On uh, one hand, are you voting this year? No. You're not voting? Nope. Are you a, a never voter? Yep. But, You're a but Catherine Mangan voter. But in general, but in general, I mean, would you guys say that they're better? Yeah, God, much better. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I, I, I voted, I voted it, happily. From my standpoint, from my standpoint, look, I mean, the voters have a choice to make. And the it's funny, everywhere I go um, for the last couple of for the last couple of months, actually, every time I've traveled outside of the country, people have said, who are you? Uh, what do you think of the election? What do you think of the election? And, I'll, and I've started to give a stock answer, which is if the, the, the sort of uh, megalomaniac who has dangerously bad judgment on foreign policy and economic policy, um, who is a serial liar, uh, who's been caught in lies on numerous occasions, and at this point has been embroiled in sex scandals and might even be a criminal. If that person manages to win, I will be disappointed. And they start to nod. And then I always follow it up and say, you don't know which candidate I'm talking about. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know which one I'm talking about. Like That is the situation we find ourselves in. And if there is a failure to recognize that these two guys, for all of the flubbed answers, um, which, again, a, a flubbed answer, eh, whatever. But if they can't see past that, and they would rather choose someone who is actually like a, a, an obvious liar, I wonder, at what point do you say the deficiency, yeah, look, they could have done better. But the deficiency is with the voters, too. Camille, yeah, Camille 2020, that's, 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 it's your yeah, fault, yeah, hashtag. Yeah, it's your fault, hashtag. That's the game. That's the game. I, I'm with her, and then Camille, it's your fault. But the, the thing is, is that you're, you're, you're approaching this as somebody who understands these issues and kind of understands the awfulness of every candidate, and so therefore it doesn't bother you. It's just the retail politics element of this is that, you know, you have to sell this kind of stuff. And, yeah, Gary yeah. Johnson fucked up, like, twice. Donald Trump does every day. But there, there's every a difference. Day. There's a difference. <laughs> and people and, – and I don't see there's a difference at all. I think, I think he's infinitely better than that nutcase. But for the average person that are, is going to hold the third-party candidate of the Libertarian Party, who they don't know anything about, to a much higher standard and say, oh, my God, you guys don't even know what Aleppo is? Yeah. And then Donald Trump is on stage, you know, <laughs> drooling and, like, trying to, you know, put up walls around the country. I mean, come on. Uh, I, a, a couple of yeah. points here. One is that while we were talking – I got a, an email from Bill Wealth. Is um, that true? Yeah, I mean, it's a spam email from the campaign. Oh. Um, so it's not that exciting. <laughs> it's, it's not intimate, uh, uh, but it's... Uh, name, name drop busted. Uh, yeah. yeah, totally. Uh, uh, the subject line is, re my support for Gary Johnson. And then the headline is, ignore, the, me- ignore the media, make history. And then the rest is just a stupid campaign email of like, yeah. you know, or, 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 so, he, so, so basically what you're saying is he's tied up in a basement in Boston somewhere. Uh, yeah. There, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. He, he's disavowing most uh, campaign communication. Uh, another point is that. Um, I saw Bill Well videos, the, the black flag of the Libertarian Party behind yeah. him, spelling crossbows. Amplifying what both. I totally you, support Gary Johnson. Amplifying what both of you uh, intelligent uh, gentlemen uh, have uh, said. I think one way of, of thinking about this uh, right now, I, I'm in the process because of a reason's uh, magazine deadlines, like two or three days after the election, we have to turn in our big, super like autopsy analysis piece for the magazine. So it's yeah. really, we have to do the reporting for it beforehand. Sure. And uh, me and uh, Doherty are, are working on it. And it's hard because it's a it's a Goldilocks thing. Like, sure. did they totally exceed expectations? Well, yes. Did they totally undershoot him? Well, yes. Is it somewhere in between? Well, also, yes. Um, but um, we knew going in that Gary John, and he said it on our show here on this podcast. He said it to me on a couple of other occasions um, that he uh, is this double-edged sword of him and then especially Bill Weld uh, buy you the credibility to get attention, especially in the media. Sure. Yeah. Right. And when he was pitching, please vote for Bill Weld to the LP convention who did not want to. Because they have a lot of history with Bill Well, they don't like him. Um, he said, "Please just trust me. This is our best chance to get to fifteen percent." The LP has never had anything like the amount of media attention and access as it did after uh, uh, Bill Weld uh, got involved in this process. They've never raised as much money. Nick Sarwark, sure. who was subtweeting, who's the chairman of the Libertarian Party, who we should get on the show. Very funny guy. Um, he was subtweeting the shit out of Weld last night of like. 
regardless if anybody says anything that really sounds crazy, don't let that stop you from voting uh, for Gary Johnson, that kind of stuff. Um, but still, we knew going in that Gary Johnson is an Im- uh, not just an imperfect, but occasionally really bad salesman of these mm-hmm. ideas, that he's a squish, that Weld is even more of a squish. And at the same time, we also knew that they would start a level of both media attention and presumably polling support, the likes of which Austin Peterson's of the world wouldn't even get uh, in the in the building sure this uh, is all true and so like it's it because of that perspective the inevitable kind of rise and the, the fall aspect of the rise and fall is going to be disappointing and you're going to be able to point to all these kind of things um however the curve would look a lot different if it was somebody else the curve never would have gotten nearly as high on other people and we would be blaming the circular firing squad would be working on a different kind of level if it was other candidates i think it's important to keep yeah. in mind no i think that's all true but I, but yeah. the most important thing probably here, hey, probably but, open the door for for some other unconventional candidate to sure. go around well that's um, what that's so what maybe I, you get maybe you get another former governor but maybe not i wanted to i wanted to uh, to put a bow on this because uh camille uh, gary johnson last night on our Dear friend uh, Kennedy's uh, program, I don't want to say that he threw you under the fucking bus, Camille, mm-hmm. but he kind of threw you under the bus. Uh, she asked what him. What do you mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't by name, so at least you have that going for it. But Kennedy, it was a great interview. Everyone should watch it because it ends with her uh, saying, uh, you know, uh, 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 Governor Johnson, I like you. I respect you. I appreciate you. And please keep Bill Weld away from the Libertarian Party. And Gary Johnson was just like frozen in this like – uh, for like four seconds, and then it cut out. Uh, it was a great TV. But before that, she asked him, who would you support in 2020? Now, regular listeners of this podcast yeah. know that there's an answer to that question. <laughs> sure, sure. The answer to that question is hashtag Camille 2020. Sure. Oh, I think they're going to say Mitt Romney. <laughs> yeah, they're going to try to get him to run again. Wayne Allen Root. Yeah, Wayne uh, Allen Root. Uh, no, uh, and <laughs> he did not mention hashtag Camille 2020 uh, in his answer. He, in fact, said something. Um, that's a little bit uh, not just the, the, the insulting to you personally, but he's also like, hey, I think, you know, we've gotten to such new places that you're going to see all kinds of really qualified Democrats and Republicans coming in to do this. Um, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I just I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. It, so he the, had another he had another Aleppo moment. He doesn't know what she actually asked him. He yeah. just gave the stock answer. That's my yeah. defense. Either that or. He's an awful person, but I still I still haven't said I'm running for anything. So it is what it is. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why he did the double down. Cool. I'll but call can, him after this. We'll can can we do um, our listeners in America enormous favor and uh, stop talking about Gary Johnson for a second? My God, it's been I, it just, half an hour. It's been too long. I yeah. mean, Gary. Proportionally, Gary should get maybe about ten minutes. Um, you know, I mean, look, it's, <laughs> he's he's a nice enough guy, but. But, you know, I, all of my um, excitement that he was at 10 percent, 11 percent, 9 percent has has uh, has evaporated for a variety. Of, can I, we talk about can we talk about the Comey thing just for a second? I know it's 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 kind of a boring thing, but I just have one kind of issue in this is everyone's falling all over themselves to attack this guy. And just there's one question that exists and I don't ha- I don't carry water for either of these candidates. I think they're both atrocious and embarrassing. You know, if 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 FBI Director Comey did not say anything about this stuff, not did not say anything about these emails, everyone says we don't know what's in the emails, blah blah blah. There's an investigation going. If he had held this information back, something that was known in October when he had previously set the standard, by the way, by having a press conference about the the Hillary Clinton stuff before, rather than just saying you know uh-huh. this is this is you know an FBI investigation. You know, the FBI does for everything. They just release a damn press release. If he, he so he sets his own standard. Had he not said anything, I mean, don't you think he would have been crucified as you know somebody who is? I mean, the guys just can't win in this situation. You know, I, I assume yeah. that he's made a number of mistakes from some sort of legal perspective and kind of the, the the legal criminology that I don't quite understand. But I mean, it strikes me that that if he holds this material back. He is has previously been accused of being in the tank for Hillary because he goes out and says, you know, there was classified information. He's testifying and says, you know, this is bad stuff. And by the way, we're not no charges we brought. Everything's going to be fine. You know, he's going to be accused of being in the tank for Hillary. There's no winning, right? No, I mean, and and I'd I'd say that's right. 
the uh, the thing that got me back, and we might have talked about it on the show because uh, the show's been going on for more than half an e- mm. a year uh, mm. now. But when the first when his first uh, press conference you know, came out, where he exposed Hillary Clinton as lying very directly on a half a dozen different issues, but then declined to prosecute. Uh, my comment was, "Wow, I've never seen so many instant experts on." what is the level of intent required on a typical federal prosecution, which is the standard that he was talking yeah. about here. Everyone was assuming yeah, – it's, it's clear to me that she violated the letter of the law, that you know we have a, uh, a lot of discretion about prosecution on the federal level. I'm, I'm happy to assume that she's skating on some level uh, just because it, it reinforces my own political prejudices. But I have to confess that I really don't fucking know because I don't cover this on a daily mm. basis at all. I don't have anything <laughs> to compare this to. And the amount of time that it would take me to like get up to speed there is time that I could have been spend, spending like you know obsessively watching Bill Weld press conferences. So like that's, that's going to get in my way. And now the exact same thing happens like – the- Go ahead. I was just going to say, I like the frequency with which uh, there are admissions of, I, you know, I don't really know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> no, but like, seriously, that's uh, that's maybe. that's actually a, an important thing to realize. I mean, a lot of the media discussion uh, this week in New York is about you know, Donna Brazil got fired from CNN because it turns out she's kind of maybe funneling questions, uh, debate questions to different people. And, and uh, there's no, a, no, maybe, no, maybe about no, maybe about it. No, no, maybe maybe about it. So yeah, funneling, a couple of those. Funneling it, it and uh, Walter Kern, who's a, a very good journalist, and some other people, maybe James Fallows from The Atlantic. Um, we're pointing out, like, why do we have stupid campaign hacks on cable TV? Like, yeah, there are a few people that made the argument everyone should be fired, and I think that's great. I mean, I, I mean, we're can- we're hacks in our own way, but we can sequester ourselves in a podcast, <laughs> and people can come and find the hackery on their own. The the kind of masquer- masquerading as uh, people who are important and and have something to say. Here is a couple of things that both Camille and Matt, you both know this. Um, here's the thing about cable news and here's the thing about um, hackery and media hackery is that when you go on to television to talk about an issue, um, I find it fascinating and always slightly disturbing that there are times when you don't know what that issue is until 10, 20, 30 minutes before you go on. You might be in the car there. You might be in the subway there. You might be somewhere in transit. The point being you're going, right? You're already accepted. And then you're asked to talk about something that you might not know about. And I have seen a million times people in the green room saying, hey, uh, we've changed topic or whatever it is, or this is the topic we're going to talk about, you know, quantitative easing. And someone's watching a fucking video on YouTube (laughs) trying to figure out what quantitative easing is. And there is this uh, fantastic projection from people who are are good at it anyway, that they are there to talk about things that they know about. And most people, that is not true. So, I mean, the funny thing about this kind of media stuff, it's not about the media itself. I mean, because... Media is always bandied about as some sort of collective term, and media is a very varied and different thing. If you are a person that goes on cable news as a talking head, you might be a person, this is not true with all people at all, but you might be a person who's talking about something that you don't know about. I have seen, I can think of people, I can name names if you'd like, of people who are pretend to be generalists, and they're actually just plagiarists. So they, they read, like, if they're a conservative, they'll go, if they're a conservative, they'll go to the, you know, NRO, the corner, and see what people are saying about a particular subject. If they're a liberal, they'll go to, you know, the nation or, you know, everywhere, everywhere else. Dude, and, I, I plagi- I've plagiarized Jacob Sullivan so many times. Well, but you know, that's okay because you guys are in the same family. You guys work, you're his editor and stuff, and, you know, it's so under it's this sort that, of ideological umbrella. Yeah. But, you know, th- I find this all the time, this, this kind of media thing is that people are really dumb about the media. They don't really get, I think, when they say the media. The Trump people say this. The Sanders people say this. The Hillary people don't because the media is, we all know, I think I think it's fair to say, in the tank for Hillary. By the way, a good example of this today. Here's some bad media and uh, from an outlet that I've long been associated with. Um, this woman who claims that she was raped by Donald Trump when she was a teenager, when she was 12 or something. This has been, this was reported by the Daily Beast. Uh, I've seen this uh, everywhere else. Um, this to me is the same as as having the Daily Beast having a piece on the kid who claims he's Bill Clinton's son. We have no evidence of this. We don't. We just want this to be true, and we see a lot of these claims being put forward because we want them to be true these days. And that's I think that's more of the bias. 
the bias is often in, in, in media is often in, often in story selection. That's the first big type of bias. You can't be Brent Bozell and kind of you know sort of take a sentence and kind of take it apart and say, well, they they were they don't refer to the party affiliation of this person, but they do of this person because that person's a Republican and did something bad. That kind of stuff might have been interesting in the past, but now it's mostly story selection, number one. And number two, who you give credibility to. It's like giving credibility to this woman who, by the way, right before we came, this Jane Doe canceled her press conference today. So why did this person cancel the press conference? Because there were some people, and and credit to, I think, Ryan Grimm at uh, Huffington Post said, well, you know, some of us didn't report on this because it's it's Swiss cheese both, full of holes. Uh, both uh, Ken White at Pope Hat and uh, Ted yeah. Frank, of, uh, uh, an excellent uh, yes, law Ted, Ted, Ted blogger, yes. who I found out yesterday on Twitter is a cousin of Garantz Franke Ruta. Is so, that right? Yeah, so my entire is world right? is going upside down. Um, uh, but Ted Frank had a great thing, which he since has – it's uh, funny. It's a political thing. He since deleted this really wonderful like 21-step tweet storm that I linked to and Brian Stetler, Stetler whatever you pronounce his name, yeah. uh, linked to and stuff. Uh, just because too many people are so partisan about it. They're like, oh, you're apologizing for child rape. He's like, fuck it. I'm not. This is not worth it to me. Yeah. But he just pointed out because he's a lawyer uh, piece by piece why this case is obviously never going to go in front of a judge, uh, that there is no hearing. Trump is not going yes. to be uh, in any courtroom answering sure. these charges probably in his entire life sure. and all these kinds of things. And uh, and people. I mean, I hear. hate the guy with a white hot passion. I think that half the stuff that they say about his kind of uh, sort of sexual vulgarities are probably true, um, but that's only instinct. I have no way of knowing this. And people say, well, Bill Cosby and the sheer force. It's like, well, Bill Cosby wasn't running for president. There wasn't, you know, 48, 50% of the electorate who desperately wanted this person not to become president. Yeah, it's a, that's a and if different there's, motivation. Yeah, if there's 60 million people who are going to vote for Hillary Clinton, you can probably find 20 that will accuse them of something that's horrible that the media doesn't really want to check. I mean, today I saw something that, you know, a, a, a potential hate crime and in, in Mississippi, and it was, uh, um, I can't remember what it was, it was uh, like a black church or something that was spray painted. Spray painted. Vote Trump. And it said vote Trump. The second I saw that, I'm like, you know, guys, let's be yeah, a little skeptical think. because that's a little too neat, a little too perfect. And I have an almost 1,000% batting, ag- batting average of calling bullshit on like the fake hate crime <laughs> thing. And the reason that fake hate crimes exist is not because it's an epidemic of people, you know, wanting to, you know, be the victim or whatever. There are people that have motivations for this and they know how damn easy it is to play the, play the media. Because if, like, for instance, there was a guy in, um, I can't remember where it was, maybe it was Iowa, Utah, somewhere in the, who uh, worked in a pizza shop. And I love your flyover country. I, like, I, but, uh, but it was one of, the, it was one of those flat. two. Except it, it was Iowa or Utah. It might have been Idaho, too. Short name. Short name. <laughs> it was, I always get those three confused. <laughs> and he was a kid who worked at a pizza shop, his family's pizza shop, and he was gay, and he was out and gay, and he um, was beaten up, and they uh, poured bleach in his mouth, and they carved something on his face, whatever. All the hallmarks of a bullshit story, the, the carving, the drinking of something. And this was uh, the Daily Beast again had a huge. I still have a screenshot Jeez, of it. Why? What did they? Well, it's just because because there's there's a bunch of people over there who were like obsessed with social justice and don't give a shit about news and don't give a shit about uh, good journalism. They care about whining and you know doing these sort of nonsense stories that they check the facts Ouch. afterwards. No, it's true though. I mean, look. I mean, I, tweeted, I I'm, not, I, I'm not saying it's not. I'm I not tweeted something the fact, other day. I, I say it's not just them though. Oh no, it's yeah. not just them. But I, I because because I. I <laughs> I look at that outlet with, uh, you know, a, a, like a, a sort of a jeweler's eye, I guess, because I used to be there. But, you know, you see this stuff all the time. Is that anti-Semitic? It is, actually. Okay. Um, <laughs> there, was, there was a story of a kid, and they had a headline. It was like, you know, like the hate that blah, blah, blah. And he's like, and it's like, no, but you, did you guys do any reporting on this? Because it sounds like it might be nonsense. If I came to you and made a claim, this is the exact same thing. Let's flatten this and say, I was beaten up beaten, you know, black and blue by the new Black Panthers. Remember that yeah. scare in the, the yeah. sort of Fox News scare, right? The new Black Panthers beat me up, left me black and blue. Um, I think maybe people would be a little more skeptical because it doesn't comport with their narrative. I mean, this is from Tawana Brawley to today. Stephen Pagonis, the police officer who was accused of this, still trying to collect money from Tawana Brawley, by the way. And everyone else believed this. Because they wanted it to be true. They wanted the specter of this kind of, you know, um, sort of clan like, you know, cop doing this. 
And the, I see this all the yeah. time with these hate crime stories, and you always have to go back and check them because you'll find out later that they've disappeared or somebody has actually debunked them. But it's, it's way, way too late. So the story that I'm talking about, The Daily Beast, which makes this claim about this kid who turned out to have faked it, um, is still on the website. There's never been an update to it, and there's wow. never been a follow-up story. So the only existence of this guy on the website is his fake hate crime. And the point about this is, is it's very, very easy, and it's cost-free. Yeah. What is the cost to you of, like, because yeah. we, we still have this thing about this Rolling Stone story because it's been, uh, you know, Rolling Stone's being sued now. And uh, we're seeing all this stuff leak out about this story. And the, this the, the rape story. The, the rape story. The, fake, the gang yeah. rape, which is a Jackie incredible. and all this stuff. Yeah. And the, the, the journalist, Sabrina Erdley, and other people involved in this have hung on to this and say, I still believe something happened to her. Because I, it's the most insane thing ever because that's all you have to say. And this, and by the way, this woman's privacy is still being protected. Her name, her name is not Jackie, but we are still calling her by her pseudonym, granted, because we want victims, and this is rightfully so, to be protected. This woman claims to have been gang-raped at a fraternity house, defamed a whole bunch of people. By None name. of this, by name, none of this turned out, turned out to be true, and we're still protecting her anonymity. Uh, and and Moynihan cost just, free. just lunch for the bottle of wine. Cost I mean, free. Should, it almost, to lie. It almost, uh, <laughs> I, I as wanted, long as you're lying about the right thing. I wanted to pivot to Camille because uh, we were trading texts, as we kind of do uh, here, um, uh, b- before the show about various things um, in, in the news that's, uh, that's driving you crazy. And it kind of like it ties into what, what Michael was just saying. We want to believe mm-hmm. this thing. And this election, there's a lot of stuff that we want to believe that this election proves. For me, it just, uh, as I uh, was uh, talking about with Michael before the show, uh, it proves this horrifying uh, uh, line and wonderful line from uh, Anarchy in the UK from Johnny Rotten, we're just another country, um, is true about America, which I never wanted to believe. Like, we're just another, like, asshole country. uh, (laughs) We're just as bad as the rest of them with this election. However, uh, Camille, you have a heightened sensitivity, let's say, or awareness of of stories that and narratives that have to do with race in this election that you were looking at. And even though I disagree with you about probably all of them, uh, you were on fire about a little bit of of that (laughs) today. That's not true. That's totally not true. I wish it was. Uh, (laughs) It'd be uh, easier for me. Uh, but talk a little bit about what you read and what set you off a little bit uh, earlier this week while you were on Easter Island doing <laughs> God knows yes. what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this this will be the last bit. I'll, I'll talk about this. Uh, I will back and forth maybe, and I'll drop off silently, and, and no one will ever hear from me again. We got to peace um, out and watch a World Series game, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But um, so it's it's you know, I mean, we all sign up for these uh, these daily dispatches from folks like ABC News, and, and ABC News has their uh, their notes. Uh, and this morning's uh, email uh, was titled The Race About Race, some very creative alliteration there. Um, <laughs> and uh, one Rick Klein uh, describes Hillary Clinton's effort uh, in, in one, in, under a heading uh, misleadingly labeled analysis. Um, he's describing Hillary Clinton's effort to reach out to minority voters uh, and the challenges that she faces with uh, respect to low turnout among black voters who it doesn't say, but of course are going to vote for Hillary. Um, and he contrasts that with the unacknowledged and unsought endorsements from KKK members um, for Donald Trump. And I read it, and it's just that. It is a very brief, uh, a very brief bit of analysis, air quotes, um, that is not uh, sort of linking to any, broad, any broader article. And I thought to myself, you know, this is, uh, this is what passes for serious thinking in this election cycle, the, the prospect that we will pretend that Hillary Clinton um, getting actually engaging in identity politics and, and reaching out to Hispanics and targeting blacks um, and Donald Trump happening to get endorsements from KKK members, endorsements that he has, even if uh, he didn't do it quickly enough to satisfy people in some other case. Um, he's not seeking these things. He's not helping him. This isn't a good thing. Um, this is not his campaign strategy to, to rack up endorsements from Klan leaders um, it's just it's just not serious journalism, uh, but it does seem to sort of comport with any any number of people's expectations for this election, um, and certainly the perspective of pretty much everyone who completely loathes Donald Trump and thinks he is the worst possible thing ever. Um, you you can believe just about anything. You can believe that he has raped 762 women, that he is actually an imperial grand wizard, 
um, and that his entire campaign strategy is to activate the secret racism lurking in the heart of white America um, so that he can win the presidential election. And, and it's just asinine and absurd. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't only happen with uh, bogus stories uh, that that land at, at the Daily Beast or Mike or any place else. I mean, ABC News does it subtly as well. Um, and it's not liberal bias. It's, it's worse than that. Um, they don't think you, dear listener, um, and uh, your, your friends or anyone else, they don't think you're skeptical. They don't think you're critical. Um, and oftentimes we're not skeptical and critical enough. I uh, think the on the that we read. I think on the Trump thing, I'll disagree with you on 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 one point, um, and then agree with you on another one. Is that I mean, the campaign should a- absolutely be shamed, um, and they should be ashamed themselves, but they they have no sense of shame um, about um, uh, Donald Trump, who wants to keep everybody on board. He seems to believe that white nationalists are actually enough of a constituency that you don't want to offend them. And so when the David Duke issue came up in the past, he said, I don't know who this guy is. I, wh- wh- why should I disavow him? I, I can't tell what, what, what he's all about. And, and he knew exactly who David Duke was and, and, and the appropriate thing there when you're talking about somebody who is a um, uh, neo-Nazi, an actual neo-Nazi and a former grand wizard of the, the KKK, that you disavow them pretty quickly because you're saying what the answer, the correct answer is if you're not trying to offend your alt, alt-right you know, fascist uh, voters – is to say, I don't know why people tie me to this person. I think it's a disgusting smear tactic, and it's guilt by association. But what I will say about David Duke is that he's a repulsive monster, and I don't want anything part, any part of these people. He should have said that, but he's trying to thread the needle in this way where he can you know, keep these people on board and have that you know, alt-right, far-right people not be disaffected by him. I do think it's an interesting thing, and I'll agree with you on this, that, that, that a lot of the Duke stuff, there's another parallel to this with, with David Duke, and it's uh, my old friend, and, and I know uh, Matt uh, knows him very well, too, is Eli Lake, who wrote something in 2006 for the New York Sun, the, uh, the, the late uh, <laughs> lamented neoconservative daily. It still uh, exists online. It still exists online. Uh, he's still writing editorials, uh, where he wrote a piece. Um, uh, he called David Duke. Uh, about Walt and Mersheimer, the uh, sort of realist foreign policy people who uh, very much don't like Israel and wrote a book about the Israel lobby. Um, and that is a very sore point. He called uh, David Duke. He said, you know what? This vindicates everything that I said. When, when Eli wrote that story and said, David Duke supports Walt and Mersheimer, a ton of bricks fell on him. And so everybody on earth said, this is the most disgusting, yellow, scurrilous journalism. And when that's done to a candidate you don't like, yeah, it's all right. Everybody's fine with it. You know, like, look, Duke, this is the closest Duke's going to get to a major presidential candidate from one of the two parties that will line up with uh, some bits of his of his um, of his own agenda. But I don't think it's enough for for uh, to be to be. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I I think I think he's repulsive. Trump is repulsive, uniquely repulsive, in my opinion, without David Duke. I think uh, Camille. Uh, he's, he's he's uniquely repulsive in a lot of ways. But just to, to, to say quickly, I think my the way I heard, um, the way I've read uh, and, and listened to those interviews, um, I don't know. Um, I'm not I'm not sure that uh, Donald Trump was doing a, a dance and trying to uh, trying to placate uh, white nationalists. Uh, that's that's perhaps you have a bit more confidence um, in his sort of political aptitude. Uh, than I do. Uh, what I actually thought I heard um, was Donald Trump sort of crudely um, and not necessarily courageously pushing back against this um, insinuation that you have to take steps to to sort of bend over backwards um, and and scream that I'm not racist. I'm but not the- racist. What, but 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 I, what I actually heard him say, just to, to put a button on this quickly, what I heard him say was. I don't know who David Duke is. I don't know anything about David Duke. Did he endorse me? I don't know anything about it. That's what I heard. Stop being, stop being narrow he, he for a second me? here, Easter Island. But, stop being narrow. Donald <laughs> Trump is aware of the alt-right, white power, white nationalists, you know, uh, white genocide, okay. uh, you know, fan Maybe. base around him. <laughs> And he's he's adjusted his campaign accordingly. Of course he has. Yeah, and if you're not a moron, I, I by the way, you say this. Just, if somebody says that yeah. you fucking steer it towards the media, as he's been so successful at doing it, like, David Duke, are you serious? That psychopath Nazi? No way. And you know what the problem is here is you people yeah. in the media are trying to associate 
the populist feelings of a huge number of Americans with fascism, <laughs> and that is wrong. The you do something like that. I'm your campaign yeah, manager. That's pretty, yeah, pretty, he's not sophisticated. He doesn't do that, and he did. He did eventually uh, refuse to do that, and he has refused. You never want to hear the word "eventually" in that sentence. Yeah, <laughs> that's a bad. That's a bad eventually. I, um, I think your phone lines is breaking up because uh, no one believes what you're saying right now. Remember things, but like, but as I said, look, here's the, here's the thing, guys. He's being there eaten by one of the heads. Who come out and support and endorse, and there are plenty of people who have uh, not, not laughs, but plenty um, in terms of the numbers that tend to talk to Republican candidates. Um, and, and he has. Uh, all right, get, all right. I think we got think we enough of him. you, Camille. All right, you cut off. You're like the caller from uh, Akron who won't shut up. Akron, Ohio. Off. I want to say, by the way, um, my laptop, because we just did a weird segue, um, I can't figure this out, the Drudge Report headline, right? You know, I still have a Drudge Report come up for some weird reason. Yeah. And it says, uh, Farrakhan, colon, Hillary is Hitler to us. And my reaction is, isn't that a good thing to Farrakhan? Doesn't he, I thought he was pro. <laughs> I mean, this seems like, is that a negative? Mm. I mean, he should say, you know, Hillary's Churchill to us. That would make more sense for the what Farrakhan. What's the Republican enemy line? We should get Chuck D. On the El- show. Elvis? The Elvis line? Yeah. Well, don't say you something unless you've heard the man. What was that? Oh, well, I have to say, though, the Elvis line, I wrote a uh, piece uh, about uh, cultural appropriation for a uh, magazine that shall remain nameless. Which Tablet? Is a fun... No, no. It was a print magazine. It's like a downtown New York art print magazine where the uh, the... Guy who runs it is amazing and I'm interesting. I'm calling into question your sexuality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right no, it's totally true. There's the, uh, there's a, a black China who is uh, some uh, 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 star. Apparently, she's a very uh, big uh, uh, bottom on Stop. her. Stop. I don't know. She was on the cover. You shouldn't. You but should guy, not have guy, seen his hand guy. gestures just now. <laughs> but the guy asked me to write a thing about cultural appropriation, and I did. And it's not online, but it's on my Facebook page. It's like a picture. I took like a photo of it. Um, and one of the things I it was talking about, I talked about Elvis a little bit. And there's that Chuck D line, Elvis was a hero to most, he never meant shit to me, the sucker was racist, straight, right? He was straight up racist, uh, uh, it's something simple and simple plain. Simple and plain, yeah. Uh, motherfuck him and John Wayne. The John Wayne one's right. The uh, Elvis one isn't. And actually, I'm going to give Chuck D an, an enormous amount of credit because he's guy, a guy that said a lot of stupid things and he took one of them back, which is that one. That one, yeah. He actually realized that... Um, you know, like James Brown, who was a very good friend of Elvis's and was like, you know, at, at, you know, at first in line at the funeral, and all these guys who loved him, who loved him dearly. But in the cultural appropriation piece, I took on, uh, took a little. Uh, I think I, maybe I mentioned that. I think I mentioned Chuck D. Might have mentioned Chuck D. Uh, we should have him on the show. I have nothing but uh, love uh, for Chuck D. Uh, and partly because of that, also because uh, he was the one who inducted the Beastie Boys into the, I think, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, if I'm so not he's mistaken. like opposed to the idea of cultural appropriation, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, he's not opposed to cultural appropriation. He ends up but saying that, yeah. like, it's it's. I mean, the rest of us by just... his actions, at least. I don't yeah. know if it, if it comes out in his lyrics or in his other. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I mean, the rest of us just call it culture, right? I mean, that's yeah. how culture develops, and that's how culture advances. It's not, is not, you know, it's not a cultural appropriation. I mean, the idea. I'm, I'm obsessed with this thing because it's a. I had a, a friend of mine who's um, a media guy, um, editor, uh, edits uh, films and documentaries. He's 46. And so he's out of this whole universe. So he's young. He's young. And he said to me, he's like, what are these people talking about cultural appropriation? And one of the most interesting things is somebody who's outside of our universe and outside of the sort of world of the university, having them ask you about that because you explain to them and they look at you kind of stone-faced and say, wait, no, there must be something I'm missing. You're saying... That people borrowing from you know this style of music or that style of music or this style of food or that style of is is bad, and then you have to look at them and say, well, I don't think it is, but yeah, that actually is a major theme amongst people. I was walking down Bedford Avenue uh, in uh, Brooklyn the other day, and it was on um, uh, Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving, Halloween, and there was a mom with her kid, probably five, six years old, and she was wearing an Indian costume. Now, had this been 10 years ago, like, you know, just like a sort of Pocahontas. Dot thing. or, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, feather. 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 <laughs> she, was, she was dressed up as a guy from, like, Punjab. Um, <laughs> Hello today. My name is... No! My name is Frank. No, my dude, name is you're Frank. not allowed I, to do I'm that. I'm doing tech support. No, you're not allowed to do that, apparently. By the way, this is another thing that pisses me off, because I do, like, Scottish accents. On this show, I do the, like... I've done the Irish, but if I did that, I'd get like I don't know why it's different, but I'm allowed, there's certain accents you're not allowed to do. So Matt, you just you're 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 done, We're you're fired. Done. This is this is the fifth column. We can do which is where yeah terrible. And by the way, ethnic we've, accents, the, the, especially the Moynihan accent. 
The, the, is that 64? I what? love it. But the great thing is the clock is so deep in, you know no one's listening, so you can go and do that moment. <laughs> so it doesn't make a difference. You can do whatever the hell you want. We're, we're getting, we're getting a, a frantic text from Camille what from Easter doing? Island. Oh, like, has, he, has he been mugged should, by one of the statues? Should I ring back, or can we edit around that? Oh, for fuck's sake. No, well, like, what does he think we're doing? A professional show here? Like, all of you people out there in Fifth Calm Land love you guys to death. But you don't give us a damn nickel. So <laughs> you want a little rough shit? That's what's going to happen, right? N- Camille is in Easter Island, probably flying first class the whole fucking way there. Never fly not, coach. Not, be- not because of uh, Fifth Column, right? Uh, what's going to happen? Because we have to stop this podcast so yeah, that we, we can watch the World Series. And mm-hmm. uh, Chad here can go to another fucking Trump rally. Oh, God. He's our so producer. Chad is, Chad, I think Chad's racist. Keep America great again. <laughs> Uh, I love the fact he's so not. He said, "Keep America great." It's make Chad. Yeah, make make it. make, make keep America would great. Uh, w- would imply that all of the immigrants and and like malcontents uh, haven't ruined it, right? Because that's the Trump argument. I want to make sure that don't take that out of context. Chad is such a Trump supporter that he's got like go to the Lower East Side like at yeah. nine thirty. Tra- Ch- Ch- Chad, you're a big leftist, right? Uh, bleeding heart, yeah. Okay, so Chad, by the way, our producer is a lovely guy. Worked for Air America, I learned. I uh, worked for Air America. Yep. Yeah, I mean. Um, um, it was weird because I don't know how they got all those episodes when they recorded them from Havana to the central <laughs> broadcasting station in D.C. We had a tunnel built and yeah, chopped the wires. <laughs> but Chad, Chad is, our, is our man in the booth who, sh- who should be given a shout out, um, who's great. And every syllable that drops out of the mouths of uh, any of us makes him wince and his skin crawl. But he's a good sport. Super and, good sport. Um, you know, when the revolution comes, he'll have us all shot. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll be first against the wall. I don't believe in firearms. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Uh, we, we gotta get Chad involved more often. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> do we? Should we do any some media wrote this? Should we just nail this down? Do you want to? Do you want to? You know, give ninety seconds of what you've learned in this election cycle. Uh, oh, since god. we're not gonna have, we're not gonna have another show probably. Until the the bomb drops. Oh on shit! Um, I will be I will be in Arizona on Tuesday for the election. Oh really? Uh, what are I you will, covering? Cause... I will be covering a couple of stories, and I guarantee you that none of them will be Joe Arpaio, because I have objected to any idea. Not as if that was put forward, but I, the media, if they go to let me say the media, I was just criticizing people yeah. for being too yeah. broad brushed about this. But if you go to Arizona, you got to do the Joe Arpaio story. And a little anecdote when I was saying. We shouldn't do the story. A Joe Arpaio story that I found from 2012 in the New York Times. He was quoted in this long profile. He said, I have 200 media appearances this month. Here's look at my calendar. That's how much the media wants to talk to me, which strikes me as probably true. And so it's 2016. I am not going to give sucker to the Joe Arpaio uh, machine. He's, go- he's down 15 points, I think, in his sheriff's election. John McCain is up, I think, 10 uh, Trump up about two or three, so um, Arizona will be a very, very interesting state. How uh, we're talking logistics at yeah. the end of our show here, but are you going to be there for are you, like uh, when are you getting in there? Because I'm going to be spending the the last four days in the Four Corners area. I'm going to be like, oh. Sacramento, uh, Denver, maybe Salt Lake, and New sure. Mexico, Albuquerque. Um, I am probably going to be in, in, in L.A. this weekend to do another story, which I'm not going to talk about, it's which all, might be really good. All euphemisms here. Yeah, all euphemisms. Do another story. And then Sunday to Arizona, and uh, but I'll be around. And um, right. you know, I'm happy that it's almost over. I, was on the, I missed the show last week because I was – on the trail, uh, and um, that was fun. And uh, I talked to Jesse Jackson. I had no idea what he was saying. It was pretty interesting. Um, and so yeah, had a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's actually not racist. No, I, I want to point this. He really, he, he like uh, he swallows his words uh, more uh, than a Cuban. Now. I will like say, has, I, I will say talking. this, and I know Chet has to go, and we all have to go. But um, I will say this. Uh, I think Jesse's getting up there. Yeah, so it was kind of a hard, uh, hard. Uh, when my grape turns to a raisin. When my joy bell has lost its resonance. Look that one up. It's a good apology speech. 1984 Democratic Convention after the Heimitown debacle. But somebody that wrote this. Somebody pointed this out, and I want to give uh, credit to whoever it was. Um, Nicely done. I don't know who it was. I have, literally have no idea. Chad. Well, I tell you what. Like, the people on Twitter, like, half of them are like, you're a fucking asshole. So I don't remember. I just, I, once in a while. So there was one about, which you should all look this up. Somebody tweeted at me. Um, it was... <laughs> An article is the article was is Amy Schumer a racist and it was like why yes she is 
And it was the great distillation of everything that is wrong with our culture. And Amy Schumer, who has desperately tried to remake herself after a couple of, you know, jokes in the past when she was in the sort of Nick DiPaolo world of the comedy seller, blue comedy, and now she's a big celebrity that hangs out with, uh, with um, you know, uh, famous people. She's now become the sort of uh, Lena Dunhamish type person. So it's very funny to see her desperately uh, trying to be a good person and just being savaged by these social justice types because uh, she did a parody video. Um, she later claimed it wasn't a parody of a Beyonce uh, a song, uh, Beyonce video. Um, I can't remember. Chad, do you remember the name of this video? You probably know this. I, I don't, but I'll I find it's it. For, it's Formation. Right, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so she did it with Goldie Hawn and a couple of other people. And it's just a little joke. And they attacked her for, like, you're not allowed to make fun of Beyonce. This is not like a white girl can't step into this universe. And this is special to black women. I don't know what they're talking about. I really don't. I'm making a hash of it. But, ba- I mean, you can't make a hash of something that's stupid to begin with. But they, there is this unbelievable attack on her who's desperately trying to be in this kind of world and be loved and make this sort of feminist TV show, et cetera. And um, there's this article that it's like, is Amy Schumer racist? Why sure she is. And th- it is, I can't even do it justice. It would require another 20 minutes. It is the craziest thing I've ever read. So read it, people, and then tweet at me about your favorite crazy lines. There we go. Matt, nothing? I got nothing. That sounds good. We'll have let's plenty. go watch baseball and get drunk. Let's go watch baseball. Or get drunker. Drunk. <laughs> let's get drunker. We'll see you next week. Bye. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse. The fifth column. Column.